Early diagnosis of bovine respiratory disease is important. Understanding those clinical signs, there's been lots of research in this area. We're going to talk about a new article that just came out in 2024. On today's After the Abstract with Bovine Science with BCI, I've got Dr. Brian Lubers with me today, and I'm Brad White. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Brad. We've got a great article here to talk about, and I, I, I really enjoy how you pick out some of the new articles that have come out and allow us to kind of interpret, go through them. And we always use our same form that on this format, as we work through and we talk about the abstract, the results, materials and methods, did they have the right experimental design and then get to conclusions. But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about this article that you found. Yeah. So this is, this is a short communication. So it's a kind of an abbreviated write-up of a study. And uh, it's actually from the the journal it's from is Research in Veterinary Science. As you mentioned, it's published recently here in 2024. And the, the title is Circadian Variations and Day-to-Day Variability of Clinical Signs Used for the Early Diagnosis of Pneumonia Within and Between Calves. And the first author on this paper is uh, T. Lowry. So, um, so yeah, so it, I, I was kind of interested. I'm always interested in diagnostics and um Certainly with bovine respiratory disease, we know that we're not very good at it. And so I was curious, um, you know, just from the title, if part of that wasn't necessarily just because people are bad at determining diagnosis, but um, if there wasn't something about the disease process or, you know, how calves respond and, you know, would it really, I'm, I'm interested. So are, if we just observe calves once a day, are we missing a lot of disease? So that's that was my interest in picking this one. So, and it's a good one to pick, and I, and I think that's where we start. And one of the things about this process, and there's a, a JAVMA article that describes the process that you and I work through, is it puts us in a systematic flow, so we don't miss things as we go through the article. So we'll just work through there, and I'm going to start with the abstract. And is it? clinically relevant? Are they investigating something that's clinically relevant to, to me? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I think so. I think, you know, and they, they talk about, you know, the approaches that we use now to diagnose clinical signs of respiratory disease in, in cattle often are based on observation a single time a day, right? We're, we're, if it's a, feed yard setting, uh, we're probably riding those pens once a day. Maybe, maybe the feed truck driver's looking at them an additional time, but you know, it's not, they're not under, uh, continuous observation for sure. Um, and, and definitely if we talk about cattle out on pasture, they are, they are not being observed frequently. And so, you know, really, I think it's a, I think it's a great answer article to answer some of those questions about, well, what should we expect as far as our diagnostic predictability if, if our, frequency of observation is low. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a great relevant question. The one thing I'd ask is this was done in Holstein calves. So, and and I think pretty young calves. So is that directly applicable to the beef side? When we think about BRD, does it, does it matter if they're same species, but totally different breed? Yeah, there might be. I I think we've had this discussion before you know, oftentimes we use dairy calves in research because they're a little easier to handle. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's some difference. I think, 
Uh, especially the age maybe worries me a little bit more than the breed differences, right? These are pre-weaned dairy calves. And so um, does that look exactly like a post-weaning pneumonia? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, so the, the pathogens from a disease process, the pathogens yeah. are nearly the same. Yeah. But the, the calf behavior and a lot of our respiratory observations are based on behavior. The behaviors that you would observe in a young, unweaned calf are pretty different than in a weaned calf in a group-housed environment. Yeah, and, and the authors comment about this a little later in the article, too, but the, the environment's a little bit different, too, right? And so they, they talk about, um, actually, later in the article, the clinical signs were more frequently observed even with a low prevalence of ultrasound-confirmed pneumonia. And one of their hypotheses was possibly dust or air exchange, you know, so it is taking these results where it looks like these calves were housed maybe indoors or group housed and trying the environment's a lot different than a feedlot potentially, and certainly different than cow calf operation out on pasture. So, you know, I, I have a little bit of concern about that, like just extrapolating these results straight across, but, um, like I said, the disease process, the pathology, the pathogens, pretty much the same. So eh, I'd interpret it with a little bit of caution, but I'm not overly concerned. Okay. So with those caveats, I'm going to jump to the tables and figures because we look at the results and say, okay, would this be relevant to, is there information here that makes me want to read further? What did you get from the tables and figures? So, okay, so table one is just looking at, it's just kind of an overview of what clinical signs were noticed. So they looked at cough, induced cough, dis nasal discharge, ocular discharge, temperature, respiratory rate, and then they used two different established scoring systems, uh, which is kind of a, I'll just say, those two scoring systems are a summary measure of all those individual observations, right? The cough, the discharge, blah, blah, blah. So there's some duality there. There's some your... duality there, yeah. Um, and, and and again, focusing on the table, but then kind of looking at that and bouncing back to the text, um, the way that they did this, so this was a this was an observational study. So they just, they had a group of calves and they looked at, natural disease. So this was not induced. So, okay, great. I like that. It's a natural disease challenge. The problem is, and, and you pick it up in the table, um, there were 36 calves that were evaluated at eight different time points over the course of two days. But then they talk about observing these different clinical parameters, and they have like 288 observations. Um, so, what that tells me is, is they're looking at the frequency of these different clinical signs of respiratory disease, um, but they're using each observation point as an independent data point, and that's not really true, right? Because, you know, they, they aren't independent. I would expect a calf that truly has respiratory disease, if they have a cough, they're more likely to have a cough at another time point too. And so it, it, it makes me a little bit concerned about how the statistics were done. Um, but, and what they're doing in table one is they're just simply reporting the prevalence or 
the average for like for temperature or respiratory rate they report the average um, temperature or respiratory rate but it, it's it's almost just kind of a descript the table's about a descriptive what did we see over the course of these eight points it makes me a little concerned about how the statistical analysis was done later because of the way that those observations are treated. Um, our statistics assume that those are independent events, and these these clearly are not independent events. Absolutely. And just to clarify, some of the specific things they looked at were spontaneous cough, induced cough, which would have been pressing on their trachea, nasal discharge, eye discharge, temperature, respiratory rate, and then those are combined into the Wisconsin and Davis scoring systems. And, and I agree with your assessment there, which makes me want to go to the kind of some of the figures here, which describe, and, and again, there's some descriptive things there in the figures before we get into the stats. What do you see in there? Their yeah, I, the, and I, I would, some, again, this is a short communication, so there's some limits on how many tables, figures, and so the authors have clearly preferentially picked the ones that they felt were the most valuable. And, and I would say the two figures, so figure one and figure two, are just the occurrence of the, the, the prevalence within the entire group of these different clinical signs at the different time points. Um, and my, my overall, you, you can look at this table from across the room, Brad, and you can say, I'd sum that up and say, it's very, very noisy, right? So you don't see a nice consistent at the, let's say, spontaneous cough, for example. Um, it was... It occurred in 20% of the group at one time point, and within this two-day period, um, it occurred at 0% of the group at one, a different time point, right? So it, it, they're bouncing all over the place. Um, and I, I, if I were writing this paper, that figure I absolutely would have included because it really supports what one of their main conclusions were, was that there is substantial variability in the expression of these clinical signs, both within a calf and across between the calves. So that figure absolutely supports that. Figure two is just uh, the the five calves that had um, ultrasound confirmed pneumonia and just kind of the frequency of these different clinical sign measurements that they had within those and, and within a calf, uh, just for example, just to show you how noisy it is, um, the there was one calf that had spontaneous cough 10% of the time, and these are all calves with ultrasound-confirmed pneumonia. There was one calf that expressed spontaneous cough 75% of the time, right? And so all over the place. Which is a little hard to interpret because it's a, a really short study. It's a very short study. Spontaneous pneumonia could have occurred just when the study started or almost at the end. So I, I can't really... And, and that's where I think you have to be careful evaluating papers like this, that you say, what was the study period of time and the amount of time that those cattle were at risk to cough after they had pneumonia is not the same in all of them. Yeah, and, and we keep saying it was a two-day study, but really it was eight observation points. And so it's even, I mean, yeah. you're probably talking maybe a minute. I mean, you're talking about 10 total minutes of observation, something like that per calf across the entire study. And and you made a point earlier about it doesn't, we don't know exactly where they were with it as far as the disease progression goes at the time of this particular, you know, and so they're using ultrasound to confirm pneumonia. 
but the presence of, of an ultrasound lesion doesn't necessarily indicate that it's an acute lesion. It could be a chronic lesion. And so, yeah, some of this variability that we see could definitely be related to these calves are at different time points in the progression of, of bovine respiratory disease. Which bleeds into some of our next question on the materials and methods. So we've looked at the results and we say, okay, they're, they've, they've got some conclusions here, some things we're looking at. But now we probably want to dive in a little bit deeper. And normally we talk about things like uh, how did they get allocated to treatment groups? Well, there's not really treatment groups in this. It's an observational study. Okay. So they just got it included in whether they were going to be observed or not. And then the outcome evaluation, which we've touched on a little bit, and I guess I would ask, you, you, you've kind of dove into the details of this paper a little bit more. They had those five out of 36 that, that had pneumonia as confirmed by thoracic ultrasound. Did, did they handle them differently? Did they look at the stats differently? Is there anything here that, that makes you say, yeah, this makes sense or doesn't make sense? Um, as far as handling them differently, no, I, I don't. And again, it's a short communication, so there's, you know, it's it's not a full publication. Um, you know, they they do make a comment uh, towards the end of the paper. Um, so again, their their main finding, which kind of was their main hypothesis, was that there's lots of variability between and, and within a calf as far as the expression of these clinical signs. Um, the other thing, the other finding that they point out is that there was a high prevalence of clinical signs in the whole group, and, and I'm kind of reading into this a little bit, even amongst animals that didn't have ultrasound confirmed pneumonia. So um, it, again, I th think we go back to stage of disease is probably really, really important. And so um, a lot of these clinical signs again, it's a short study. So I think those two things kind of com compound the issue of interpreting it is if you had a high prevalence of these individual clinical signs, let's say in the last couple observation points, which, which actually, if you look at figure one, that looks like there was, then it could be that you have the beginning of an outbreak. And so maybe they aren't showing ultrasound lesions yet, but they're in the early stage of pneumonia. So they're starting to express some clinical signs, but they have, they don't have that, that lesion. Um, we could actually be misclassifying them. And so we've, we've missed some, as far as a BRD positive, and we've missed some, some things as far as relating the, the clinical signs to actual disease status. This is one of the things that we've talked about in multiple cases and your multiple papers, case definition. And if your case definition is not solid, it makes it a little bit hard to interpret. And, and you're not saying that directly, Brian, but I, as I listen to you talk about it, were they a BRD case or not? Well, that was defined by ultrasound. Well, that is a pretty solid case definition. However, that is fluid in this case because they could be starting BRD, they could be ending BRD, you could have all kinds of issues. And, and when you make a conclusion that, well, we have a lot of animals that cough that don't have BRD. Well, I don't actually have that confirmed that they necessarily don't or do. Yeah. No, the, the ultrasound defined BR, respiratory disease or pneumonia, that's a solid definition, but it only tells you about a single point in time, right? So it, it says we do or don't have bovine respiratory disease today. 
it doesn't say anything about tomorrow. And, and as we mentioned earlier, even with some of these lesions, it might tell us about yesterday, right? And so when we don't know if it's yesterday or today or last week. And so again, the, the technical part of saying, yeah, there's a lesion, no problem. It's we, where is it on that continuum of the disease process? We really don't know. Yeah. So as we follow into the next steps here, we start thinking about experimental observational units. You, you mentioned earlier, uh, there were 288 observations of 36 calves and you made a comment that said, well, they're not independent, so we have to be careful how we do our stats. Expound on that. Is this a, we sometimes talk fatal flaw, non-fatal flaw, when you start to go to do analysis, where is this on that spectrum? Yeah, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, you could redo the statistics a different way, but, it, you know, it really is kind of a fatal flaw for this, right? We we have a test that assumes independent observations and we have non-independent observations. So um, you, you would have to use a different test essentially to, to do that. Because if um, I wanted to evaluate the frequency of a clinical sign, let's say induced cough, across the study period and ask the question, did it vary based on observation time of day, then I have to take into account that I have repeated measures on those individual animals. Yep, that's right. Absolutely. You know, and, and the authors do comment, as far as the statistics go, Brad, they, they do comment, um, you know, they weren't able to find a statistical difference in the frequency at different times, but they also recognize that this study, it's a way underpowered study, right? And it's not that that was on purpose. They started with 36 calves, but only five met their case definition. And so um, they're, it's really, really limited as far as the number of observations. And, you know, I, I mean, we're, we sound kind of negative on the paper. I don't, I don't want to leave people with that because I think it does give us a little bit of insight into what we probably assumed was correct, which is, when we have a calf with respiratory disease, if we observe it multiple times, we're likely to come to different conclusions about the status of that calf. And I, and the authors didn't talk about this, but we've talked about this significantly. Part of that is because BRD is is a progressive disease. Or it's or I shouldn't even say that. it's a continuum of disease, right? So if we make those observations early in the disease period we would expect those clinical signs to be highly variable. And if we got calves that were all at the same stage where they had, they had true pneumonia um, and it was acute, we would expect probably less variability, right? Well, those calves are sick. We expect to see more of those signs. But then as we go further and we get into maybe what we'd call the chronic stage of bovine respiratory disease, calves are going to resolve that disease process differently, right? Some live, some die, some become chronics. Well, even, even within that, some are going to resolve more completely and we'd expect fewer clinical signs. Some of them may take a little longer or they're not going to resolve as completely and we'd expect those clinical signs to persist. So I think, I think what we almost see is this kind of U-shaped curve where early in the disease, there's lots of variability. When we get if all the calves go through the same progression, we get into that middle part where they all have 
true disease. I'd expect less variability. I'd expect most of them to be showing some or all of these clinical signs. And as, as we get into the disease resolution or chronic phase, I'd expect the variability of showing clinical signs to go back up again. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. They hit on a couple things there relative to, they were really trying to define variability, right? A lot of times we look at prevalence, and they looked at prevalence, but they also looked at some standard deviations. They looked at measures of variability comparing inter-between calf and intra-within calf variability over that time period. And from the title, it made me think we were talking primarily time of day, which they did a little bit with time of day, but we only have a couple days here. So from an experimental design standpoint, I'd I'd like to see more days to be able to make conclusions relative to is it worth in the morning or noon or the afternoon. We did a paper several years ago that looked at time of day on rectal temperature, and in the summer, rectal temperature gets higher as the day progresses. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. shocking research right there. But it does it does change day to day. What what are some of your take homes from this paper that you would say, okay, well here's here's either I'd investigate this further or here's something I'd start to think about. Yeah, I I think uh, you know, I guess my takeaway from from this one particularly is um I I'm, I'd almost treat this as like it's it's a good starting point. I think it it su- it supports what we all kind of suspect, um, but I, I think certainly there's some follow up and 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 I don't know what the author's intentions were, but um, potentially said as a short communication, maybe that's already in the works or being planned or whatever. But um, I think it's it is important from a clinical perspective understanding just like the conversation we had about using ultrasound as the definition for their study when we're doing once a day observations as our definition for brd understand that's going to contribute to a fair bit of misdiagnoses and in both ways right we as producers and veterinarians we're probably most worried about missing disease but i think if we if we want to talk about antimicrobial use and stewardship we should be just as concerned about Overdiagnosing disease, and so they did, and it, this showed up in their study as as small as it was, and kind of all the limitations we talk about. Um, there were more, there there was a high percentage of observing these clinical signs in calves that had no ultrasound confirmed pneumonia, and so I think you know one of the things, and I I'm not sure exactly how to implement this clinically, Brad, but having repeated measures when we're using clinical signs to diagnose respiratory disease might increase our accuracy of diagnosis of, uh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah, and inherently we have, I'm looking at the calves day after day in many cases, but I think one of the things that you're saying is time of day and calf to calf matters. And there are times where we're observing calves twice a day just because we're hoping to pick up some of those changes sooner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think great article. I appreciate you sharing this with us, Brian. Several good conclusions there. A couple things I, I would highlight is be sure that as you read through some of this literature, uh, we can't draw any broad sweeping conclusions from this because w- we've got lots of observations on relatively few calves and even fewer sick calves as confirmed by their case definition of thoracic ultrasound. So. Yep. 
Excellent. Appreciate you joining us today, and thanks for listening.